Kasky hits this one deep to left field. This has a chance. This ball is gone. It's a walk-off home run. Now Caleb driving left side alley-oop to Nelson. Throws it down with two hands. Raiders make the handoff. Keeps it running left. He's across midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Jalen Rayner to the house. Welcome to the Second to None podcast. The A-State Podcast, presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group. Now, here's Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. What a week for A-State Athletics. Indoor track and field sweeping the Sunbelt Conference Championships for a record fifth consecutive year. We're going to talk with heptathlon champion Colby Eddowes coming up here in the next few minutes. Another weekend, another title for A-State bowling, but... We're going to start with men's basketball. They played their final two home games. Thursday night against Troy, it was the first nationally televised broadcast at home since the 1997-98 season. A crowd of 5,107 at First National Bank Arena. It was the largest crowd in seven years. Just absolutely electric in that building the other night. And the Red Wolves got off to a great start. They were up 19 in the first half. They're up 11 at the intermission. Early in the second half, they stretch it back out to 18. But credit to Troy. They're a really good team. They come all the way back, take the lead with three minutes to go. But the Red Wolves close it out strong. They outscore Troy 14-5 to in the final three minutes to win the game. 79-71 and one of the most fun environments that we've had in a really really long time it, it was just fun i mean and struggling for what to say because it was electric in there and then to go back and, and watch parts of the the tv broadcast or, or especially after the the game thursday night you know sitting around laying around watching the stuff floating around social media and just hearing the way it sounded across that broadcast i was like I, mean, I went back just, and, and heard some of our radio highlights and listening. It was as loud. Just the background noise was incredible. Yeah. Just hearing the sound in there. It made it such a great environment. It was so much fun. Great to see our guys just uh, thrive in that environment, take advantage of that situation. I know Coach Hodson was just extremely appreciative of the crowd. Six players finished in double figures in that game. Taryn Todd was 17 points. He led the team in scoring for a fifth consecutive game. And Caleb Fields, who didn't practice all week long leading up to the Troy game, he had a groin injury that he suffered in the final three minutes of the South Alabama game, came out and played great. He had 12 points and nine assists and just uh, what you would expect from Caleb Fields yeah. at this point. You run out of things to say or ways to describe it. Honestly, God willing, we don't see the the thing that – he doesn't come back from because you just assume at this point he's coming back from everything. Uh, this is a tough kid, played a lot of basketball here. And uh, and so I know it kind of bleeds into talking about Saturday and the way that ended. And I look forward to talking about that. But we could have done this whole episode, quite honestly, and, and just talked about Thursday night. No guests, no anything. Just talked about everything leading up to Thursday night and how memorable it can be when all that stuff comes together and goes according to plan and uh, I'm convinced and I put this on social media a couple days later the more I thought about it I do think that's the loudest that building's been since the WNIT game in 2005. I think just in my time which I came in right after that 0405 season I can't remember a louder crowd in that building so uh, and, it, and the beauty of it is like, and they were up the that's whole the same. game. That's the thing. It, and and this is what like this is. It's like we just try to try to tell people is that like it's best when it's organic, right? And it's not. I mean, I know we did a lot. We did a lot of stuff to get that crowd in there and some ticket discounts and this and that and what have you, and the bar stool guys and all that. But really, it's one thing to get them there. But that's really only half of it. It's what do they do when they get there. And that's only best when they just kind of take ownership of that themselves. And that crowd took ownership of it from the tip and just stayed in it. And, you know, I told some people after the game, I was like, you know, if you're going to come to me, the basketball gods or whatever you want to call it, say, hey, listen, you got this big game here. And I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. you're going to win the game. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry about the result. You're going to win. So you pick how you're going to do it. 
with a big crowd. Well, this is what I'd say. If you're going to let me pick it any way I want in terms of keeping the crowd in it, I want to come out, hit a bunch of shots early, start playing good, let the other team inch back in it, and win it at the end. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's what Coach Hodson no, would say. No, that's what but... I'm saying. You have to come and tell me you're going to win the game. And you're saying from a, from a crowd engagement standpoint, that is the perfect script. You're right. Honestly, it's like they, they stole one of the NBA scripts. <laughs> It's what it looked like. <laughs> Another storyline from that game was the fact that Darian Ford was sick. He was yeah. battling a case of food poisoning and was not able to play on Thursday against Troy. And Coach Hodson made the comment, something's really got to be wrong if Darian Ford says, I can't play. And but I that was the case. Saturday, I was like, man, how bad does it suck missing that one? And he's like, because he, he's like, he was in the locker room. So he's like, I just, I was just back there having to hear it. Yeah. Was, and I was just and and like he was literally sick, but he's also figuratively sick for being back there and being back and and having to hear that arena from back in the locker room. Was, that's that's a tough break. I mean, obviously it was one for our team, but they overcame it. But what a tough break for the kid to miss out on getting to, to play in that. Well, he played on Saturday, yep. and he played big on Saturday on Senior Day for the Red Wolves, a dominating victory over a South Alabama team that has only lost twice over their last six games now, and both of them have been to the Red Wolves. And another great crowd on Saturday, nearly 4,200. So the top two crowds in the last seven years were this past week with Troy and South Alabama, a game in which A-State never trailed on Saturday, the Red Wolves had 23 assists, just six turnovers, and all six turnovers came in the first half. Didn't turn it over at all in the second half. Red Wolves also breaking the single-season record for threes in the game Saturday, now at 288 on the season. And, yes, Darian Ford was back. He goes for a career-high 23 points in that one. And Caleb Fields, who really is what the day was all about, mm-hmm. honoring him, Finishes with a double-double, his fourth of the season, sixth of his career, 10 points, 11 assists in his final home game. And I've never done this before, but when he checked out of the game with 45 seconds left, I'm calling the broadcast and I'm standing (laughs) up clapping at the same time with everybody else because that's how I feel about Caleb Fields and what he's meant to this program. It has been an absolute joy to watch him the last five years. And now for him to be having his best season yet as a senior and thriving under this new system. And he's just, I think he's the best point guard in the Sunbelt conference right now. And uh, to see the appreciation from the fans that he deserves so much. And then, you know, it was kind of a new thing to do a yeah. senior day ceremony. And I know you and I talked about this before. I mean, it's different to to have senior day right after the game. But the way it worked out, really couldn't have planned yeah. it any better. Nobody went home early. They stuck around and watched that ceremony and paid tribute to Caleb Fields. Yeah, it was awesome. And I mean, I mean, listen, are you rolling the dice for it to be a little bit of a buzzkill? If you don't get the win, Maybe. Uh, and I'd be interested sometime after the season, I'll ask Coach Hodson if they ever did one of these. Because this was a – he had told us last week that at Alabama and at Buffalo with, with Coach Oates, they did senior day like that as soon as the game ended. Uh, I'd be interested to ask him if he ever did, if he ever had to do one after a loss. But, again, this one went right according to script, right down to getting to sub Caleb out late in the game and then go straight into the senior day and uh, – the crowd Saturday, I was scared just because you knew there was going to be a drop-off from Thursday. It was almost impossible for there not to be because part of it is like the students. Yeah. You know this could be part of it because, listen, I'm just you – know, the facts of the matter is this. For, uh, for the time being, people really want to harp on these students, but for the time being, there are going to be more students at a weeknight game than a Saturday game. That's just the fact of the matter for now. So what was that going to look like? But the flip side of it is there's typically going to be more – attendance or as many or more people in the rest of the arena on a Saturday as opposed to a weekday. It's kind of their opposite of one another. So the crowd was great. Not just the biggest two crowds uh, in the last seven years, but you know they had the three biggest crowds in the last seven years and three of their last four home games, Absolutely. going back to James Madison. And so, yeah, just a great day, straight into senior day, and you're right, everybody stayed. And uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but worth mentioning here that uh, I saw that box score. Uh, seems like plenty of people – 
took advantage of the opportunity to, to head down and look at that undefeated baseball team once senior day ended. They sure did. Yeah. Over 850, I think. Yeah. Great uh, promotion on your part for making it to where if you could take a basketball ticket and get in for free right afterwards to the baseball game on Saturday. And look, I was, uh, it was about the fifth inning when I finally got to leave the arena and I was trying to get somewhere but so it's it's rare for me not to be at a baseball game so it was kind of different for me to drive by and look at the stadium <laughs> yeah. from the outfield kind of a weird experience for me to tell you the truth but I'm driving by and I'm like man there's a lot of people in there yeah and it was uh, it was neat to see so and, and as soon as I got in the car I'm hearing Will Oswalt uh, call a home run so that was neat oh too, but, that uh, is, yeah yeah it was a great Saturday overall we'll get to baseball here in just a minute but as far as the men's basketball team they've now won five in a row seven of eight all alone in fourth place very important fourth spot in the Sunbelt Conference standings with two games to go in the regular season. And if they can stay in that top four this week with these final two regular season games on the road at Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State, then they'll clinch a double bye coming up next week in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. The women's team, rough week for them. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to go too much into detail with the games, but they fell in both of their home games this week, Wednesday to Troy, Saturday to Southern Miss. The big story, Izzy Higginbottom has been shut down for the rest of the regular season, trying to get ready for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And if you're Destiny Rogers right now, you got to think that way. You got to yep. think big picture and try to do everything you can to have her ready and everybody else ready for Pensacola. Yeah, it, it's we talked about this a little bit last week, even just with the games they dropped the week before, is that obviously is this very unfortunate. Absolutely. Injuries are a part of it. Um, it. It will be interesting to see, like when the coach is sitting around talking about the future of the Max Sunbelt Challenge, you can get hurt anytime, but it's probably going to come up at some point that, a-State lost its best player in a non-conference game in February. That'll be worth bringing up. But then the effect since. I mean, that team came out of that Akron game with really sort of the same sort of momentum the guys have right now. They're trying to, you know, they're right there knocking on the door, playing their way into the top four. But then they find out, you know, Izzy's got that uh, fracture in her finger. Yeah. Uh, she tries to, you know, as we talked through last week, tried to play through those games at Southern Miss and Lafayette. Came back. Tried to play, you know, in that Troy game. Matter of fact, I talked to her before the Troy game, and she said she was a lot more comfortable than the week before. But she obviously went down at one point. Like, literally, the game stopped, and you knew what was going on. She came out of the Troy game. They took a look at it then on Thursday, and I think actually found out that really that it was worse than it was before. You know, had multiple doctors all look at it and all the same conclusion, that they need to shut it down, take one more look at it before the tournament, and see if it's progressed enough. Very unfortunate because, again, it completely has changed the momentum. I tell people before, like, I think you, a team you might can weather losing your point guard who's got the ball in their hands all the time. You might can weather losing somebody scoring 23, 24 points a game. Sure, it's tough to try to weather both at the same time. Yeah. And you and look, if you're, you got to say, hey, next person up and let's go. But that's not next person up. You don't just have another one of those to plug in so it changes a lot about what they do even here in this last week of the season and with the hopes that when they take a look at that thing one more time before Pensacola that it's progressed enough and I think the other thing that's uh that that I hate about this too is I feel like and the only way to know is what is if she gets it but if she doesn't I feel like this cost her some belt player of the year I hope that's not the case but you have that feeling that this could definitely hurt in that regard, but knowing Izzy, you know, her mindset is not on that no, yeah. at all. She's just getting ready for the conference tournament and trying to do everything she can to be ready for next week. And it's, you know, hey, worth mentioning, it's not like they were competitive in both those games. It just, it's just they're going to go through stretches where they have a hard time scoring. And it's, again, it stands to reason. But Lauren Pendleton, uh, Anna Griffin both had you know good weeks in L.A. going into this game Tuesday night, depending on when you're listening to this. She's going into that ULM game with 999 career points. I think she can get there. I feel, I feel pretty good she's going to get there. <laughs> well, Lauren Pendleton, uh, deserving of recognition after she accomplishes 
that feat. We had her in on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago and really enjoyed that visit. The women will wrap up the season at home this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But do want to get to baseball. What an amazing week for Tommy Raffo's team. After the season opening sweep of Omaha, followed that up with a 10 nothing eight-inning win against UAPB on Tuesday. That was our first look at Colin Maloney, the freshman right-hander who I think we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of as we go forward. He's somebody that's extremely talented. And then the team traveled to Ole Miss on Wednesday, a place where the Red Wolves had not won since 2008. And, you know, you, you talk to coaches before games, and I talked to Tommy Raffo and to Peyton Trawick, the A-State pitching coach, before this game, and they had a plan going in. They wanted to keep Ole Miss off balance. And when you're dealing with a lot of pitchers in the midweek, you know you're going to have to throw several arms. If one of them gets off track, has a rough day, then that plan can be completely blown up. But this plan was executed perfectly. (laughs) They went left, right, left, right, left, right, right. Those were your seven pitchers, three left-handers, four right-handers. And Arlen Butts, who is a weekend starter right now, he came in and threw the final inning in two-thirds and was able to get the final five outs of the ball game for the same. Which is a, a you know nice weapon to have because essentially it, it's his bullpen. He just happens to be it throwing is. it on the mound in Oxford against the team from the SEC. And he was in that role last year and was very good yep. out of the pen. So the Red Wolves go on to win 4-2. to two. What was interesting there, I think it was the fifth inning of that game Wednesday at Ole Miss. Ole Miss scored a run, one of their two runs in the ball game. And that ended the stretch of 26 and a third scoreless innings thrown by the A-State pitching staff. It's the longest such stretch in the Tommy Raffo era at A-State. But in the world of college baseball, that's pretty unheard of. You don't see stretches like that very often to go 26 and a third as a staff without allowing an earned run. Or allowing a run period yeah. during that time. A heck of a stretch. They've been pitching it well. You know, offensively, they've done it lots of different ways. It's so far it's whatever they've done's been working. It's worked every time. They followed it up this weekend by hosting Lindenwood out of the Ohio Valley and the Red Wolves with three one run wins. Four to three on Friday, seven to six on Saturday. And then completed the sweep in walk-off fashion on Sunday in 11 innings. Blake Burris with the walk-off single in the bottom of the 11th, scoring the freshman Aiden Houseworth, who had tied the game earlier in the inning with his first collegiate hit, had a pinch-hit single to score the tying run. And then Houseworth comes around on the Burris single to score the winning run. The Red Wolves win it 6-5, to and... Talked about it with Tommy Raffo, and it's kind of similar to the Omaha series in that they won three games in three really different ways. Same thing this weekend. Yes, there were there were three one-run wins, but how it happened <laughs> happened in three really different fashions. The bottom line is these are games that A-State teams in the past, especially in the last couple of years, just didn't win. But they're finding ways to win these games, and that's the difference. Even when they don't play particularly great they're playing well enough to win yeah they, they don't say how it's just how many and so far the answer is eight and there are only two teams in the country that are eight no 16 undefeated division one college baseball teams total yeah but only two of those 16 are eight no and it's a state and alabama eight no the second best start in school history the best start in school history nine and oh by the 1997 indians and Red Wolves can match that start coming up on Tuesday night when they host UCA. So I noticed this. Uh, there's this one place that puts out its what they call their mid-major power ratings, and Arkansas State shows up on that top 25 list this week. Are we going to observe this? Well, <laughs> I mean, we, we play in one of the top five no, baseball conferences gonna, in the country. That's, what, that's really what I was going to get to say. It's not, to me, it's it's great to see on that list or whatever. It's great to pop up on rankings lists. But that was my question is that really it's not should Arkansas State be on as much as should Sunbelt teams be on a list of mid-major rankings in baseball? Not in baseball, no. I didn't think so. 
Yeah, not when you're one of the five best conferences. And really, there's no argument there. I mean, the Sun Belt is one of the five best conferences in college baseball. And, and we see why every single year. There's just so many good teams in this league. But they are, the Red Wolves, the only remaining undefeated team in the Sun Belt. So we'll see how long we can keep that going. We're going to take a timeout and be joined by Sunbelt Conference champion heptathlete Colby Eddowes right after this. Get huge savings now at every Kavanaugh dealership. Kavanaugh has a great selection of late model, low mileage, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And most are still under factory warranty. We have every make and every model, so you're sure to find the vehicle you want. And when you buy at Kavanaugh, every new and used purchase comes with one year of free maintenance. Plus, we buy cars. Bring a vehicle, get it checked. Come see us today at one of our dealerships or go to KavanaughCars.com. This is Coach Brian Hodson, and I'm asking you to help our A-State student-athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our student-athletes by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T Club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Wolves up. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Kavanaugh Auto Group and by First National Bank, where they put you first always. Moving our attention now to track and field, the fifth straight sweep this past week for the Indoor track and field teams. First time in Sunbelt Conference history that's happened. It's the ninth indoor title for the women, the 12th for the men. Some of the many highlights include a 1-2 finish in the men's 3,000 meters with Cash Kunkel and Jacob Pyatt. Hannes Fall and Lassa Funk go 1-2 in the men's mile. And it sure looked like they tried like heck to cross it together. Mm-hmm. And I guess they had to sort it out. But but they were to a point where I watched the end of this race, like coming down the street, like they're literally just stop, kind of just looking behind them, make sure nobody else is around. There was not anybody else around, and they tried like the Dickens to cross it at the same time. Meanwhile, Bradley Jelmert wins the men's pole vault with a new meet record of 5.62 meters. Bradley has won every event he's competed in during the indoor season, so he continues to be great. Bella Caschetti wins the women's pole vault. Am I saying that right? Caschetti? Cassetti. Cassetti. Right. That's Cassetti. how I've been pronouncing it. All right. I'll tell you who that other voice is here in just a minute. Cheyenne Melvin wins the women's 800. Michelle Ogbamudia breaks her own school record to win the women's weight throw. And winning the men's heptathlon with a new Sunbelt Conference championships record with 5,760 points. It's the other voice you've been hearing. It's sophomore Colby Eddowes. How you doing, Colby? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Fantastic. First off, congratulations. Thank you. How does it feel to be a Sunbelt champion? It's a long time coming. You know, last year we decided not to do the indoor heptathlon, so I missed out on my opportunity to get it then. So it's been a year in the making. Um, So, you know, crossing that line... It was a bit of a struggle mentally and physically to get through this one, but a lot of relief was, you know, lifted off my chest. So it was, I was really over the moon. Matt and I, we're both old enough to grow up in an age where they called the Olympic decathlon champion the best athlete in the world. Mm-hmm. So this makes you the best indoor athlete <laughs> in the Sunbelt Conference. Well, some could say that, but you know. Be humble. It's definitely a lot of work, but you know, every each event is unique and each has their own, you know, hardships and all that. And we all put a lot of work into eventually get that title. So I think we are all arounded, you know, we can do everything, but at the end of the day, every person's put in that same amount of effort, you know, even more, maybe less, and we've worked for it and you know, to get that medal is just really good, so What's it like to be part of a program that has now swept the indoor championships for five consecutive years? Mm-hmm. What's I, that celebration? Like? Oh, on the buses, I heard the women's bus was quite 
loud. <laughs> um, there was a lot of celebrating, you know, last year when we won the four in a row. I remember we were quite excited for that one. And the women this year had to fight a little more than they probably would have wanted to to get it. Um, the men, we were quite clear on the way during, you know, the final bit. But when we eventually knew that it was like ours, you know, our crown, we, I think everyone just kind of smiled and started celebrating. Um, just that whole environment, you know, we're all so close together with each other. It's just so wonderful, really. We're such a tight community, such a tight family that, you know, we're there for each other. And to know that we eventually, like, got the crown is just, you know, it's what we've been working for. So it was a great environment. It was a great atmosphere. What did kind of get a feel for your guys' mindset going mm-hmm. into one of these things? Because, right, every other school competing for one of these things is showing up thinking, man, we really want to win a conference championship. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you guys don't think that, but it got to be hard to fight off a notion that when you show up, anything short of winning the conference championship is going to feel like a humongous disappointment. Yeah. You know, track is such a unique sport. You know, there's so many things that can go wrong. You know, there's little technical things that you could change in an event that could just completely change the outcome. But before every meet, you know, Coach Patchell sits us down with an um, group and he lets us know, you know, you know, we are the favorites, but we can't walk in there with that mentality, we still have to walk in with that fighting mentality because of how many things can go wrong, how many just little things can alter the result. So we know we're one of the best, you know, but he usually tells us, you know, we've done all the work this season, so this is the time to show out. You just need to do what you've been doing. Don't change anything, don't alter anything, but don't expect it to be easy. You know, you still have to go there, you still have to perform, do what you can do, do better if you can. Um, You know, it's for the team, so... We kind of go in, you know, we still have to fight. I mean, I go through seven events in two days and some events don't go well and I have to continue to fight for the next, let's say, five events. Um, and then at the end, it's just that celebration, you know, you, you realise that you've done you've done it, you know, you've got that crown and it's time to celebrate because all the hard work's gone. But he sits, right, he sits you guys down mm-hmm. before this starts and goes like group by group saying... We've got you guys slated for this many points. In this event, yep. we need this many points. Yep. So he splits us up, men's, females, and he will go through the points for every event. You know, he'll tell us the projected points we need um, to win. Um, and then he'll give us usually a quick little spill. And, you know, it's the we've been doing this all season. And then what will happen is we'll usually split up. And then our event coach will give us a little spill about what he expects and what they expect. Um, so it's become a tradition. I know. It's happened every single conference that we've done so far, so ready for the outdoor one. I kind of want to go over what you've accomplished already in your time at mm-hmm. A-State. And I say just a sophomore, but you are just a sophomore, and you've already, well, last year, won the Sunbelt Conference Indoor and Outdoor Freshman of the Year honors. Mm-hmm. You've already set the school and Sunbelt Conference records in both the decathlon and the heptathlon. Mm-hmm. How do you follow that up? <laughs> Improve it. <laughs> there's there's not real, you know, defend that. Don't let anyone else get near it kind of is the mentality. Um, there's Sebastian Renicky from South Val is probably my biggest competition. Um, we brought it out outdoor conference. We brought it out indoor conference now. But it's really just try to extend that mark. Um, I know there's a big one in me, so hopefully at Nationals in Boston I can get a better score. But, yeah, no, that's... You know, freshman of the year twice is quite, you know, last year I was the top freshman in the NCAA. I mean, I wasn't, I, no one could have told me to expect that, especially since it was kind of my rookie season. I stopped doing the multi three years before. It was my first multi event season in nearly two and a half years. So I don't think anyone kind of expected that to happen. So what was it instead when it wasn't a, I was going to ask that anyway, kind of, it wasn't a multi, you would say you did what? So when you weren't a multi, what were you doing? So I, st- I started out as a multi and then in September of 2022, I had major hip surgery and I had to drop the multi and I became just basically a strict hurdler. So I was originally ex- offered a scholarship for the 2021-2022 season, but I turned it down because of my hip surgery. And then the year later, I asked for the scholarship again and I actually tried to convince them to give it to me for hurdles but they said, no, we're going we're gonna to do the multi, so if you want to do that. And I was like, sure, I mean, why not? I'd been wanting to come back to the multi for a while and didn't know how. So I was basically just a hurdler for a bit. I quit before I came, I'm not going to lie. There was, there was some hardships during post-surgery. And then I just came back, started to train for all the other events and realized that I actually do still love them. 
You're the youngest person I've ever heard say I had a major hip surgery. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just how bad was it? Did, did you think your athletic career might be over at some point? And how did you bounce back from it? Basically, I was doing a training session for long jump and my hip popped. And then I woke up the next day and couldn't actually move. So we did all the scans and all that. And then I was told that I had torn my labrum ligament or labrum. And they knew that there was, they didn't know the severity of it until we went into the surgery. They also told me I had loose bodies, so basically tumors. So when we went into the surgery, I came out and they actually told me that they did three different things instead of that. So they eventually found out my labrum ligament was completely torn and they found out that I had two to three cancerous tumors in my hip as well. And then also I had too Gosh, much- <laughs> Yeah. And then I had too much bone growth from my femoral head, so I didn't get an osteoplasty and an arthroscopy, which is three different surgeries. <laughs> yeah. And they told me that it's not actually meant to happen for people my age. So I was 18 at that point, And they told me it was only meant to happen for people usually over 35. By the way, you, you rattle off all that stuff. And we have some people still trying to figure out your hip has a labrum too. I don't want somebody thinking that he had to have, he had to have hip surgery. So he worked on his shoulder. Your hip has a labrum. Yes, you can tear yes. as well. Yeah. I just learned that. <laughs> yeah. So I got an arthroscopy, which is keyhole surgery, in my labrum and an osteoplasty. So basically they repaired my labrum ligament and then they took out the cancerous tumors and then they shaved down my femoral head to well, fix it. Well, let's, let's, let's kind of park here for a second. Mm-hmm. You hurt your hip. Mm-hmm. And then in the midst of all this, they go, oh, oh yeah, we happened to find you had some cancerous tumors. You didn't know that was a thing before? Yeah. No. So we found out that that was kind of like the issue growing up because I always, you know, I'm six foot four. I've had growing pains my entire life. We actually found out that I, these tumors had been growing since I was like 10 or 11 and they were probably most of the cause for all my hip pains and all that instead of actual growing pains. So basically I got misdiagnosed a lot when I was younger and we also realized because I think 2019 I went to my first Australian team, I was told I tore my hip my groin but then we kind of realized after that was like well did I I mean did I just tear my labrum again and because it was about the same excruciating pain so you know we kind of after that surgery you know our eyes opened and we're like well kind of all my injuries and all my growing pains make sense now from when I was younger well that is uh, quite a story that you were mm-hmm. able to come back from that and mm-hmm. somehow you come back from a major hip surgery and you're better than ever and you're doing yep. everything yep I remember that you're doing now. Yeah, in after my hip surgery, so I had it in twenty September twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty one was the year for world the world junior championships, so under twenties. And my original goal was to try to qualify for the decathlon, but I had to drop it. So this is why this is my story of how I became a strict hurdler. So Australia has their nationals in March. After my hip surgery, I was told that it would probably take me six months to start walking again. So if you do the math, September November, December, January, February, March. That's five months to national champs. We rehabbed a lot. Probably the most I've ever rehabbed in my life. I've usually been really lazy with rehab. And, you know, I had five months to be able to hurdle because we decided, well, like, what's my best? Because we still wanted to go. It was my last year as an under 20, as a junior athlete. We wanted to make worlds. So we kind of decided of the 10 events, which one do I have the best hope for? We went for hurdles and then I had a really good recovery. I ended up getting two world qualifiers and made the Australian team after five months instead of, you know, starting to walk after six. <laughs> I, I believe I believe the time I ran was like 10th or time for an under 20 in Australia. So some could say it was quite, quite the season. That is quite the season, Colby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So listen, I mean, like we're bouncing all over the place and that's okay. We're going to catch up on all because we haven't even talked about growing up in Australia, mm-hmm. but, but here we are sort of already talking about representing Australia. Mm-hmm. Last I checked, it is an Olympic year. It is. Yep. How's all that work? So in Australia, we have A qualifiers and B qualifiers. Um, unfortunately, these, the qualifiers are quite hard. There's been a lot of politics behind it. You know, why are they so hard? You know, when some of the qualifiers are harder than the Australian record. And we're like, well, that's not really realistic. You're trying to ask someone to break an Australian record to qualify for your team. But there's quota qualification. So basically world ranking wise, you know, a certain amount of people can go. Um, realistically, I probably won't make the Olympics. I'm not quite there yet, especially for outdoor. Um, so, you know, I kind of have my 
I sat on Los Angeles 2028 okay. or kind of like Com Games or World Indoors, you know, where I'm kind of going to be stronger at. What's the, what's a decathlete's prime? Oh, goodness. Don't know. Probably like 26. Okay. 26 or so. I'd so say. You, might, you might be in it in, 20, yeah. in 28. Give or take. I really couldn't know. You know, I'm trying to go for as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning to be 80 years old <laughs> and still doing it. <laughs> I know my body's probably going to be dead by then, but go for as long. I mean, I love it. So, you know, why not? But people peak at different times. You know, I peaked really late. I, a lot of people peak when they're 10, you know, 12, you know, young. Some people peak when they're 30. I think it's just going to be keep my body healthy and mentally strong and then see what can happen. You're from the capital city of Australia. I am, yeah, Canberra. Tell us about your family. Are they athletes too? Retired athletes, yes. <laughs> so I was actually born in South Africa. Um, so I was born in Durbanville, South Africa, grew up in Cape Town, and then my family eventually moved to Australia when I was five. My dad's Papua New Guinean, I'm Papua New Guinea Australian, and my mum's also South African, same as my brother, that he was also born there. You know, we're kind of all over the show, but... <laughs> You know, my dad was a really good rower, wrestler, runner when he was younger. My mom was a hockey player, a cross-country runner. My brother did cross-country and hockey as well. I am the only one left that still does sport. You know, they're kind of 50-something now. But we, I have, I think I have good genetics, yeah. Um, definitely can... It sounds like. <laughs> but where are they, like, where are they playing hockey? So in Australia, I forgot, you guys do ice hockey. We have field, field hockey. Field hockey, yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, we don't have ice hockey in Australia. I mean, we do, but it's not really popular. Our popular so one is field, field hockey. hockey. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> I tell people things and then I realize that it's Australian slang and then I can't explain <laughs> the Australian slang to them because I'm like, that's just my vocabulary. Sure. <laughs> Couldn't tell you what it means, but that's what it is. And one of our favorite guests we've ever had on this podcast was also another multi-sport athlete from mm-hmm. Australia, Cam- Cameron Newton-Smith. Yep. Big fan of Big Cameron. Fan. So she was very candid in the fact that she kind of had big dreams too of mm-hmm. possibly being on an Olympic team. Yep. Do, do you guys communicate? What's that relationship like with a couple of Australians on the same A-state mm-hmm. track and field team? Yep. So there was three of us last year. This year there's two. But yeah, no, Cam and I, I remember when we when we got close here, I told her, I was like, you know, before A-State, like I was scared of you. You know, you were like the good person in Australia at junior rankings. I remember I was 16 and she was 19. I don't know actually how old she is now. but And I was like, like I remember seeing you at nationals and being like scared because I was like, you were so good in my eyes. And But, you know, we grew really close. And we went to China together for World University Games in August last year. Grew really close and I'm really glad because, you know, she's one of my best friends now in track. Um, and it's so good seeing how far she's gone outside of A-State, you know, because she just went back home to Australia and broke 6,000 points, which is very big milestone for women's heptathletes outdoor. Yeah. Um, so she's looking really good. And, yeah, no, us Australians, we, you know, Australia has such a deep sporting heritage um, in many sports, not just track. So, you know, we, we have... Very big aspirations, I would say. Getting over here. Mm-hmm. How did that work? How did you end up finding your way from Australia to Arkansas State? Yeah. So, as I said, I had a hip surgery, which made me turn down my original offer. Um, I remember the offer was just, I believe Cam and Izzy knew about me. So he was looking for decathletes and um, they said, here's Colby, basically. Um, and then he. So they recommended you. Yeah. Basically, okay. they recommended me, and I was like, oh, okay, because Izzy and I were close kind of before I came here, and, you know, our parents knew each other, we saw it, we're the same age, and um, we went to nationals together, but I never knew Cam, as I said. So when they told me, I was like, they recommended me, I was like, oh, okay, I didn't really know that. I remember I had my hip surgery, went to nationals, made the team, Australia ended up cancelling, sending the Australian team to Worlds, and then I quit track, because I was so fed up with just kind of... Athletics in Australia in general, um, which is track athletics. So I quit track and then, you know, I I was in a real low point, I must admit. I wasn't the best mentally or physically. And then I don't know what happened. I just one day I texted Coach Vining back and I was like, look, like, as I said, do you have that scholarship? Try to get it for hurdles and work. And then he said, we can get do it for the multi. And I said, sure. I didn't think of it twice. I just took it. I knew I needed a different like environment. I needed a change in my life. 
just for my mentality. I, you know, I wanted to go back into track because I loved it so much. I've been doing it since I was seven. So I was so eager to get back, but I didn't know how. So I texted him and he said, yeah. And then I didn't think twice. I accepted it, went to get my visa, hopped on a plane, like 40 hours of traveling to get here, maybe more. And then I came here and I've never looked back. Not to belabor on something that's not your favorite, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that you've had multiple references here to sort of the political nature mm-hmm. of track in your country. Yep. What the heck's up with that? I mean, like, <sighs> why is that such a thing? I'm from Canberra, which is the smallest state. You know, it takes 30 minutes to drive from the top to the bottom of my state. We're the only inland state. We know we're the capital, though. Sometimes, especially in my perspective in Canberra, it can be sometimes to get something, you have to know someone. And, you know, when you're not, that's like how it's kind of political in Australia is you kind of need to know people, you know. So there's a lot of juniors who are kind of just ghosted, you know, not really seen because, you know, they're just random people. You know, they don't have a popular coach or something like that. So unless they're doing really well, like breaking an Australian record, you know, they kind of just get overshadowed. So, yeah, no, it can get quite political, some would say, um, but it's not the worst, but it's not the best, you know. There's some good things, there's some bad things, you know, but it is what it is. But you between, know, I guess between that and the mm-hmm. hip, the combination of two mm-hmm. at one point, had you just said, I'm Yeah, I'm there done. was, yeah, so in Australia they have a funding called NAS, so National Athlete funding something I didn't actually know what it stands for and I've always been told I could possibly get on it and one year my hip surgery year so obviously I got second at nationals you know after five months my hip surgery wonderful huge achievement like people were congratulating me because you know that's not normal and I remember NAS came out to the funding and my name wasn't on the list and I turned to my coach and I was like like what happened and I remember my coach at the time or my dad honestly I can't remember turned to me and said you basically weren't put on the list because you didn't do your normal nationals of a decathlon, so 10 events, and then my four individuals, hurdles, high jump, long jump, and whatever the odd other one is. And that's kind of when we realized, well, you know, what what the hell? You know, I just, I had hip surgery five months before. I would have never been able to do 15 events. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of like, well, that's kind of where it's unrealistic, you know, to get on a national funding for something that I've kind of just always been on the list or like the site for, they wanted me to kind of like go through it to get, you know, something that's impossible to do. You know, I was told I could only walk and start jogging after six months. And then here they are trying to get me to do 15 events to get on it. Did you get your doctor? Was did they sign off what you're doing or did they just have to kind of turn and look the other way? At that point we kind of were like, well, what other options? You know, I I just quit. I straight up just stopped. Up when you doing. tried to come back from mm-hmm. in in five months. Yeah. Well, you know, there's certain milestones you have to do. You know, you can't just hop straight in. You have to get. They say it's like six. The six months was like a guide. You know, there's a list. There's like the protocols. You know, walking pain free is something you have to tick off. You know, so there's a lot of lists you have to tick off. And I remember, I was told that I would be on crutches for two three weeks. You know, but I was walking. The day after my surgery. So, well, if I'm your doctor, I'm looking at the list that says Sunbelt Freshman of the Year, Decathlon mm-hmm. Champ, Heptathlon mm-hmm. Champ. I think he's doing okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, after my hip surgery, I never felt my hip again. And it was so good. Dr. Alexander Burns, you know, he, he did me wonders. And I'm so grateful for him to be able to fit me in, you know, because usually there's a bit of a wait for surgery in Australia. Beyond thankful for him fixing my hip and giving me this opportunity because, you know, it's, could have been a career-ending thing. All right, real quick. Last thing for me, mm-hmm. two parts. What do you miss most about being home in Australia, and what do you enjoy most about being here in Jonesboro? I think just family and friends. You know, growing up there, was there for 14 years before I came here, so, you know, I have such, so much friends and family there. You know, it's not this, like, I FaceTime them a lot, you know, so there's not that real physical kind of, disconnection or that you know because we talk we keep up so when I eventually go back into in June for two months it's like we I never left because we've been keeping up but you know it's not the same you know that physical seeing each other hanging out with each other it doesn't really compete I'm enjoying my time here they know I'm enjoying my time um and I they've told me so many times that that's all they want you know they want me to enjoy what I'm doing and have fun with it 
and that's what I like about Jonesboro. You know, it's such a tight community. You know, in track in Australia, it's such an individual sport. There's no team kind of environment to it. So that kind of different perspective on it here is so rejuvenating having such close people to train with you know compete with they cheer you on you know when you're at low when you're at your low you know they're trying to boost you back up especially if conference so but yeah no love my family love them to death and they know that you know we tell each we'd see each other all the time if we could but you know they know i'm here to do well to you know represent them my family you know represent my old coaches and they see that and i think that they're okay with that (laughs) Well, we expect our podcast numbers to be (laughs) really high in Australia Mm -hmm. this week, as high as they've been since Cam was in here. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure my family's going to be sharing this link everywhere. (laughs) Colby, congratulations on all this success. And uh, just couldn't be happier for you and all you're Thank doing. Thank you now. so much. That's Sunbelt Conference champion Colby Eddowes joining us here on the Second to None podcast. We've got more to come right after this. At First National Bank, our mortgage lending team knows what it takes to make a home and a superior home loan process. Simple, proven, and reliable service with competitive rates at a bank that already feels like home. Since 1889, that's been the First National Bank way because for our people, this is home. Apply online at fnbank.net slash mortgage. From our family to yours, welcome home. First National Bank. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. Thank you and Wolves up. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and by the Kavanaugh Auto Group. You can check out Kavanaugh's entire selection of new and pre-owned vehicles at KavanaughCars.com. want to get to a few notes before we get out of here. We talked about baseball earlier, but They've got four more games this week. Home against UCA, trying to tie the best start in school history, trying to improve to 9-0 against UCA Tuesday at 6. That's $2 hot dog night, right? Well, $2 popcorn night. $2 popcorn. So $2 tickets. I don't want you giving people the wrong idea. (laughs) Every Tuesday home game is a $2 Tuesday. $2 tickets, but the $2 concession item changes. That's right. We're on a rotation. And so it's $2 popcorn night. And not to get out of order, but since we're lumping it in, if you're listening to this and uh, it's Tuesday and we haven't gotten uh, to the uh, women's home game against ULM yet, it's $2 Tuesday over there too. $2 tickets and $2 popcorn at women's basketball also. It's a $2 Tuesday twin bill. Can't beat that for an entertainment value on a Tuesday night. Again, baseball Tuesday at 6, and then they'll travel to Springfield to play their first road series of the season. They'll be at Missouri State. This is a series that rotates home and away every year. Take on the Bears Friday at 3, Saturday at 2, and then Sunday at 1. It's always a good series. By the way, it's a, this is a good time for this series. Yeah, like right, I'm, I'm they're a good team. really interested. I mean, this is a great time for these two teams to get together. I know they were just down at Southern Miss, so they're glad to get home, but this is a good team, good time for this team to pop up on Arkansas State's schedule. By the way, this is Keith Gutton's final year. He's been there forever as their head coach, one of the winningest head coaches in college baseball history. So taking on Missouri State with Keith Gutton coming up this weekend. Tennis team fell to Jacksonville State Saturday. They're now 4-4 four and four on the season. They'll be in Cape Girardeau coming up Saturday and Sunday. Take on Bradley Saturday and then SEMO on Sunday. How about the bowling team? They've won two straight tournament titles. They beat number one Jacksonville State on Sunday in the finals of the Stallings Invitational. That was in Greensboro, North Carolina. They've now played Jacksonville State Five times the last two weeks, the Red Wolves have won four of those matches against the top-ranked Jacksonville State team. You would think. Well, top-ranked at the moment. Yeah, we'll see when they come out <laughs> yeah. again. I mean, here you go. Right surely, on cue, surely right? we're number one after Went from this like week. sixth 
to third. And those rankings don't come out as often, the uh, bowling rankings. So went from sixth to third the last time they came out. You mentioned uh, beating Jacksonville State four times since then. This particular one went the full seven games, and there was a tie in there. So it actually was four and a half to three and a half. Arkansas State won the uh, championship match by. Yeah, just play well right on cue here, getting close to the postseason and uh, NCAA tournament time. Men's golf playing their first event of the spring. Actually, currently playing as we well, they record this podcast in their home event. Yeah, their home event in Henderson, Nevada, <laughs> at the Lake Las Vegas Intercollegiate. I'm going to let you explain how that works. How's this a home? I couldn't tell you. I think it sucks because I'm sitting here talking with you about it. <laughs> and goofy jerry scott's out there is he qu- really? air quote working oh my gosh the biggest tightwad on god's earth is out in las vegas that opening our men's golf tournament doesn't seem right but that's the case it's kind of like playing a football home game in kansas city missouri which we've done before too <laughs> Women's basketball team playing their final two games of the regular season at home. You mentioned $2 Tuesday against ULM, 7 o'clock tip time for that one. Then the senior day contest against Appalachian State, senior night contest against the Mountaineers coming up at 7 o'clock on Friday. Rumor has it Miss Arkansas may show up for the Friday night game. She's wanting to come up. Always good to have Corey Keller around. Be the first time we've had her up here since she really was jobbed at Miss America. Oh, yeah, we need the backstory on that (laughs) men's basketball is on the road this week finishing out the regular season will be at coastal carolina wednesday at 6 30 and then the regular season finale at first place appalachian state friday at 5 30 and talked about it earlier a whole lot on the line as far as the seeding these final two games with A-State currently all alone in fourth place, and then you got the Cajuns and Southern Miss a game back. Now, they do play each other at one point this week in Lafayette, but Southern Miss beat them in Hattiesburg this past week. So, yeah, there's still a lot to be decided. The Cajuns also host Troy this week as well. So they've got a couple of close games, but uh, the Red Wolves – Certainly need to win at least one to have a good chance at clinching that four seed next week in Pensacola. And I'm sure with Coach Hodson, I mean, the message is right now, I mean, we're not thinking about seeds. Sure as heck not thinking about App State. Like right now you need to go all in on Coastal Wednesday night. Handle your business, play the way you've been playing, and see where things look like going into Friday. And then, you know, if you handle your business Wednesday, like, I mean, Forget the seeding and all this stuff. I mean, what a setup to have. What at that time, you know, we could very likely be the two hottest teams in the league going at it on the last night of the season. Fun time to be a Red Wolf. It sure is, man. It, like I said, if it, we'll get the one unfortunate situation there. We talk about health wise with what women's basketball is dealing with. But man, other than that, it was a, a week for the books. I added it up. I've called 10 straight winning broadcasts now. I don't know if I've ever had a streak like that. But it sure is fun, yeah. and we're going to keep it going as long as we can. And uh, hope to see you out uh, at all the activities this week. And, of course, I'll be on the road with men's basketball as well. Hope you tune in for those broadcasts. You want to thank our man Colby Eddowes. Really enjoyed our visit with him. Sure did. Thanks to... Caleb Garner for setting that up for us. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.